you. Can y'all can y'all hear me okay? Amen. I'm getting a little bit of feedback. Maybe I should come down just a little bit. Will you do me a favor and uh, go ahead and stand to your feet and turn to Romans chapter number one in your Bibles. Romans chapter one. And I'm going to begin reading in verse 18. Romans chapter number one. And I'm going to begin reading in verse number 18. You can get there, say amen. Amen. And it reads, for the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth and unrighteousness. Because what may be known of God is manifest in them, for God has shown it to them. For since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead. So they are without excuse. Because although they knew God, they did not glorify him as God, nor were thankful but became futile in their thoughts and their foolish hearts were darkened. Professing to be wise, they became fools and changed the glory of the incorruptible God into an image made like corruptible man and birds and four-footed animals and creeping things. Therefore, God also gave them up to uncleanliness and the lust of their hearts to dishonor their bodies among themselves, who exchanged the truth of God for the lie and worshiped and worshiped and served the creature rather than the creator who is blessed forever. For this reason, God gave them up to vile passions, for even their women exchanged a natural use for what is against nature. Likewise, also the men leaving their natural use of the woman burn in their lusts for one another, men with men committing what is shameful and receiving in themselves the penalty of their error, which was due. Uh, let's pray. Father, thank you this morning for your word. God, I pray you would help us as we study. God, um, give us insight, Lord. Give us wisdom. Father, I pray you would teach us, Lord, under the unction of the Holy Spirit. God, I pray that there would be a sensitivity to your spirit this morning. I pray, God, that you would get down into the deepest parts of our hearts to communicate to us what is the most supreme thought, the most important aspect of our lives, this issue of worship and putting you ahead of all things. I empty myself in your presence and I pray that you would fill me, baptize me right now, use me for your glory. And I thank you for it in Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated in God's presence this morning. For those of you who may not know, we began a series last week. And the title of the series is entitled, I Worship. And so we begin to lay some foundational truths 
as it related to worship. So we're going to expound on that today. And today's title is Worship No Other God. Say that with me. Worship No Other Gods. Let's say it again. Worship No Other Gods. I need you to think with me this morning because when most of us think of other gods, we think of images, we think of some object that we bow down to. In fact, it was very prevalent in biblical days when they would worship idols that they would actually go and get an idol and worship it. Now, every idol has some significant meaning behind it. But they would do that. They would worship idols. And, and our natural, we have a proclivity to believe that we today in modern society don't really worship idols. So what we need to do today is I want to broaden your perspective once again. We're talking about the subject of worship. And I pray this morning that as I'm teaching you some principles, that, that you let down your guard and you be very, very honest with yourself. And uh, I know that there have been things in my own personal life that God has had to work through even after having been saved. Amen. How many know I'm talking about? God work on you even after you got saved. Yeah, yeah. God, God, God. We're a work in progress. Everybody understand that. But when I begin my journey with the Lord, um, I was, although I was in college, I was graduating, and I, I changed my major three times. How many of you ever know what I'm talking about? I changed my major like three times when I was in college. I couldn't figure out what I wanted to do. I was lost. I really had no sense of purpose, and I went to school just like everybody else because I wanted to be somebody. I wanted to make something of myself, and I came to the point of graduating, and I really had no idea <laughs> what I wanted to do. And I can remember those days because I was just a lost soul. I wasn't walking with the Lord, obviously. And so I wasn't trusting in him. In fact, I had been, been on the run. How many know what I'm talking about? I've been a fugitive. I've been running from God for years. Uh, and so it came a point in time that when I encountered God, that God, for the very first time, when, I, uh, when he encountered me and I decided to make a decision, suddenly my life changed. As I begin to know him, as I begin to worship him, as I begin to submit my life to him, then everything about my life begin to change. Suddenly now, a person who really had no purpose, now I'm oozing with purpose. A person who before was lost and, 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 and not knowing how to even uh, do the simplest of things, all of a sudden, God enlightened me. All of a sudden, this person who was lost and who had no sense of direction, this person who was kind of just wandering through life, just hoping that somehow that I hit the bullseye, not really even sure where I was going. All of a sudden, when I gave my life and bowed down and surrendered my life to him, suddenly the light bulb came on. How do you know what I'm talking about? Amen. I began to see clearer and as I grew in my love and my affection toward God, everything else fell into place. I found happiness. I found inside of me this peace that somehow kept eluding me. I wanted this peace. I wanted this joy. 
I wanted this sense of satisfaction, and, and when I came to him, when I began to, to know him and surrendered my life to him, everything changed. It was as if there was something in my spirit to say, what that said, welcome home. How do you know what I'm talking about? Welcome home. Where have you been? It is as if God had been waiting on me. I spent a great deal of my time running from the very thing that could deliver me. So as I began to grow in my knowledge and my affections, all of a sudden things just started happening. Doors started opening. I ended up in Fairfax County. I didn't even know it was on a map. I ended up carrying a gun. <laughs> I ended up doing Bible studies. I ended up here preaching. All I did was I focused on him. My one aspiration, all I cared about, all I care about, for you who are still trying to figure it all out, all I cared about was pleasing him. I was addicted, you know, and there are some things that you can be addicted to, and it's good, and I will start with number one, Jesus. I was addicted. I mean, it was like, man, life was breathing to me because I found what I had been missing. I begin to worship with my life. I turned every corner and God, I realized that there were a bunch of idols that I had set up in my life. You know, idols, those things that has control over us, those things that pull us away from absolute, total devotion toward God, those things that consume our emotions. And so as I came to God, I began to realize that, man, I had a whole lot of idols that I had to tear down. I mean, I just walked around. I, really, I mean, there were, I had idols of lust. I had, I, look, I had, a, I won't even, I'm afraid to say this. Never mind, I won't even say it. But, <laughs> but I had so many idols. And you would think that as a Christian, having come to this place some years past, and before I had begun this church, I had another idol had begun to try to creep up into my life. You know, you can be walking with the Lord, and if you're not careful, idols can pop up. Idols, those things that you worship, those things that consume you, those things that have control of your life, those things that dominate your thoughts other things. And for me, all of a sudden, something that was so innocent as golfing, i never forget it. Golfing was becoming my idol. For me. And I remember going to the driving range one day, and I'm, and I'm obsessed with hitting the golf ball straight down the middle. I mean, when I say obsessed, I'm obsessed. Every day, I had to make a stop. It was beginning to hurt my budget because I would get one bucket for $10, another bucket for $10, another bucket for $30. And before I knew it, I was being controlled by an idol, golf. Something as innocent as that. I can remember, and God spoke to me one day, and he said, this will have to change. This going to change. 
because I have something better for you. I wish I could tell you I wasn't a Christian then. I was a Christian. It snuck up on me. Idols. And it was fighting for my affections. So I began to change. I put it down. But pastor, golfing is not a sin, not the issue. How many know that we need to live above just if it's a sin or not? How many know Christians, we need to start trying to push the envelope just to say, is it a sin? Sometimes you just got to understand, is, is, is this good for me as a person? And what God wants me to do? I would surmise that some of us have some idols. And they're probably more than one. And these idols fight against your affection and your attention so much so that sometimes you're not careful, you're even sour on God. It becomes a routine. It's mundane. It's just something that I do. It's, just, it's, a, it's, a, it's something I do. Instead of it being him controlling every aspect of our lives. When God has full control, everybody say full control. Changes everything. Changes everything. So I want you to be honest today and say, Pastor, I, I, I got some things. If the Holy Spirit rings your doorbell, ain't but one thing I know to do. Open the door. Let him in. How many know that the word of God comes to bring conviction? It comes to change us. Because God, here's what I know about God. I know this. I know this. I know this. God will never play second to anything or anybody. He must have the preeminence that means first place. He will never, ever be second. He can't. It's not who he is. We talked about worship. Let me define it real quick before we go into a text. I got to move. The Greek word for worship is proskyneo, which means, it's P-R-O-S-K-Y-N-E-O, for those who are taking notes, Shannon, means prostrate oneself before, to prostrate, everybody say prostrate, to kiss and bow down before. It is, the, uh, it is the idea of total submission. To bow down means I submit. I'm going, I'm dealing with my little puppy right now. I got a puppy. I got a puppy. I got a puppy. Oh, God, I got a puppy. And I'm teaching my puppy how to submit. How many know that when we talk about worship, the essence of worship means that I bow down and I submit. God, I'm not going to fight you anymore. God, whatever you want to do, however you want to use me, whatever idols I got in my life, God, take them away. Take them away. This fundamental principle, and I'll drive this point home 
I'm going to drive this point home until we get it into our souls. Colossians 1.15. Read, go there for me, with me real quick. Colossians 1.15. I want you to run there. Run, 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 because y'all got to help me run. I got to run this one. I got a lot, and I'm going to try to streamline this as best I can. Oh, Colossians. If you're there, say amen. Look at this verse, verse 15. Because, watch this. Everybody look up. This is what's important. If you don't get this principle that I'm about to share right now, this is the fundamental principle as it relates to the worship of God. If you don't understand this principle, that we must drive home, this whole sermon won't mean anything to you. You will never, you will never be a true worshiper. It will just go over your head. You, you will never catch it. I want you to think back to what I said before in my testimony that when life became uh, beautiful for me, when my eyes were open, it was a time when I realized who I am and why I was put on the planet. How many want to know why you was put here? Amen. Why was I put? If you look at most of the world today, they are confused about why. People believe they were put on here just to fulfill their own happiness. They believe they was put here, uh, you know, just to do certain things and to, to make money and to, to build businesses and nothing wrong with all those things. But they think, but they don't have any clue. And so they live their life outside of the parameters of this one central principle, which is applicable to every human being on the planet. This principle right here. For he, talking about Jesus, is the image of the invisible God. I love that verse. Did you hear that? Jesus, you want to know who God is? Jesus, who is God, is the invisible image of God. The firstborn over all creation, watch this, for by him, talking about Jesus, everybody say Jesus. Jesus. By him, all things, everybody say all things. Okay. Now, all things means, watch this, every person, every mountain, every valley, every hill, every car, every house, every job, every person, every building, the chair that you're sitting in. All things, all things, all things were created that are in heaven and that are on earth. They were created by him, visible and invisible. See, how many know there's, a, there's an invisible world? There's a more, the invisible world, I would surmise, is more prevalent, more real than the visible world that you see. The invisible world is more prevalent and more real than what you see because what you see oftentimes are smokes and mirrors. You gotta understand that principle. How many know we're wrestling not against people, but we're wrestling, wrestling against principalities and spiritual wickedness in high places. How many know there are evil forces out there? He says, so by him, all things were created in heaven and on the earth, so God got it all covered. In the beginning, God created the heavens, 
the heavens, plural, and the earth, invisible, invisible, whether thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created through him. Watch this. And here's the big kicker right here. For him. Did you catch that? All things were created through him and for him. So this principle is amazing if you can catch this revelation. Because what that simply means is that I, I wasn't an accident. Amen? Look at me and so say you're not an accident. Mm-mm. I don't care what the mama told you. I don't, care, I don't care what the daddy said. I don't care if they said that we weren't expecting you, and I'm putting it mildly. You're not an accident. All things were created by him. And they were created for him. So what that tells me, that when God created me, he created me for his pleasure. Amen. That's why I was created. And most of the world is in debauchery and off course because they are running away from their creative design. Why, why am I here in the first place? It's because God created you for himself. I'm going to take that a step further here in a second. All right, I'm going to jump over my sermon a little bit because I, I want to. John 4.23. If you got that verse, throw it up there. You got John 4.23. Look at this verse. But the hour is coming and now is when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father is seeking such to worship him. Now I want you, I'm going to drop this thought on you so I need you to stay with me. I was meditating on this. And I kept saying, God, God, why are you seeking true worshipers? Why, why are you, why is, why is God creator who can do everything, anything, who made all things, who just read it, who created all the peoples of the nation for himself. Everything was created for him. Why is it that God is seeking worshipers? One thing that God cannot do Stay with me. God cannot worship himself. Can't worship himself. He makes statements of facts. He says, I'm the Lord. There's none beside me. How many know that's a fact? Amen. He said, I kill, I make alive. How many know that's a fact? When he says, no one can deliver out of my hand. How many know that's a fact? But when it comes to worship, nowhere in scripture will you find God worshiping himself. Why? Because that's your job. When he created you, he created me and you to what? Worship him. Every person. That's why we're here. Fundamentally, that's it. We were created to worship him. That's why the Bible said he inhabits the praises of his people. And so when we don't give him what is due, we are denying the very reason and the thing that he created us to do. We are denying him of what is rightfully his. Our worship. God can't worship himself. 
So he made all creation. That's why he said every knee will bow, every tongue will confess. Worship. So how many know that we need to give him his worship? So we understand that all creation, everything was made for him and for his pleasure. God is seeking those who would acknowledge, this is why it's so important that we share the good news of the gospel. This is it right here. Because people are floundering, they are lost because they do not understand. How many know, you, just because you have a level of success in world terms, how many know if you're not in him, it all is going to come to naught in the end? We were created to glorify him. That's why he created you, fundamentally. And so when we, the further we drift away from that, the more you find yourself like I was, lost, empty, and pursuing things that in the end is meaningful. How many of you have been tricked by the devil? He sold you something. He told you this would be good. He, he said this would be good. This will bless you. This will help you. And you realize, no, it's not. It, it, it did not. So if I understand this concept, then how does it change the way that I think about my life and the way that I think about God? I me, you, we're worshipers. He's looking for it. Look at uh, Romans chapter number one. Go to Romans real quick. Go to Romans chapter one. Y'all still with me? Amen. I ain't getting this mighty quiet up in here. It's a quiet Sunday. Because I'm laying this foundation because I don't want us to fall into the trap of the way the world thinks. Look at this in verse number one. Now, now we, we read this. I don't want to go over all of it. I'm just going to highlight a couple of things. Uh, this is our foundational text. From the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness. Why? Why is wrath of God? What's the problem? What's the problem? Why? Who suppress the truth in unrighteousness? Because what may be known of God is manifest in them, for God has showed it to them. For since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes are clearly seen. How many know that the, that the heavens declare the glory of God? How many know it takes a fool to say that there is no God? That's what the scripture says. The fool has said there is no God. Now look at this. Verse 21, because although they knew God, he's talking about people who refused to acknowledge his lordship, who refused to serve him, did not glorify him as God. See, it's one thing to say I know him, but it's another thing to glorify him and submit to him. Nor were thankful, watch this, have no Christians, worshipers are thankful, amen? But became futile in their thoughts and their foolish hearts were darkened. Look at this. Professing to be wise, they became fools. You ever hear a wise person trying to explain why and try to talk negatively about Christianity and, you know, they try to throw us under the bus and, you know, people, oh, man, you know, this, this is, you know, they're fools. They profess to be wise, but they're not really wise because they denied him. They don't understand that he is the creator and that we were designed exclusively for him. I said exclusively for him. And watch this. And they changed the glory of the incorruptible God into an image made like corruptible man, a birds and four-footed beasts, 
Watch this. Animals and creeping things. Look at verse 25. Who exchanged the truth of God for the lie. Watch this. And worshiped. Everybody say worship. And serve the creature rather than the creator. There you go. See, here's, 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 the, here's the point. Whenever a society, whenever a people, whenever a person denies the glory, fail to submit and recognize who he is, the further a society uh, don't understand it, don't worship God, that society falls into debauchery. Here's what the scripture says. God gave them up. Why did God give them up? God gave them up because they denied him and they won't acknowledge him as God. In other words, they decided that they're going to worship one another. How many know that we got a show, it's kind of ironic, you got a show called American Idol. I'm not saying anything about some of you, like, oh God, I'm not saying this, getting sin. But it's something about the human nature, when it doesn't worship God, how many know you're going to worship something? You worship people, some people worship you know, athletes, because you're designed to be a worshiper, you're going to worship something. The question is, what are you worshiping? That's really the question. And so when a people decide that they won't worship God, that society, that people, that person, it all begins to crumble. How many of you are witnessing that today in America? It is all beginning to crumble. Why? Because we're drifting further away from who we're supposed to be. We're supposed to worship him. And when we refuse to worship him, when we refuse to acknowledge that he's Lord, when we refuse to submit to him, then that society begins to go down the tubes. That's why he says here, watch this, for this reason God gave them up to vile passions. Things that they ought to be ashamed of, they're not ashamed. Why? Because you're drifting. It all goes back to, watch this, worship. That's what it all goes back to. People don't surrender to him. They don't worship him. Society begins to crumble. How many know that in times when we haven't worshipped God like we're supposed to, our own life begins to crumble? And we found him, we got back on course, and it changed our life. Exodus 34, 14. Look at that verse real quick. Look at that verse. Run there, run there real quick. Exodus chapter 34. <laughs> I'm actually not doing too bad on time. I'm almost third way through my sermon. I'm almost near it. Watch this. This can be one of the shortest sermons I preach, I think. For you shall worship no other. Look at verse 14. You're, you're there in Exodus chapter 34? Verse 14? Y'all there? Amen. I, I got it right. Everybody looking like I got something wrong. I do something wrong. Oh, I want you to turn to Exodus 34. So I probably gave the wrong verse. Blame me. Don't blame them. Blame me. I'm guilty. So turn to Exodus, Exodus chapter four, uh, 34, verse 14. You, you, there, you there? Say amen. So, so that's why y'all need to still bring your Bibles and read your Bible, because they can't always bail you out. Read your Bible. Know where the books are. How many books in the Bible? 
Okay, we need to, we need to start right now. Oh, God. Okay. Come to Wednesday night Bible study. We'll discuss that. Okay, here we go. For you shall worship no other God. Everybody say no other God. For the Lord whose name, watch this. Y'all know one of God's names? <laughs> Is what? What was that word? Jealous. That's right. For, your, for you shall worship no other God, for the Lord whose name is jealous is a jealous God. So the first commandment, what was the first commandment? The first commandment, come on church. No other gods. And he says to him, watch this, he says that you should have no other gods, for the Lord is jealous. How many know that when we give our worship, we look at the pattern of scripture in the Old Testament, whenever the children of Israel will worship other idols, God got downright upset. You ever, <laughs> some of you know what I'm talking about. You ever, are you, some of you might be married to somebody who's jealous. Some of you might have dated somebody who's jealous. Y'all know what I'm talking about. You know when the person is jealous, he starts looking. Like, don't, you know, don't, don't mess with that. You know, it's like, you know what I'm talking about? Jealous. How many of you have ever been jealous? Oh, you look at it. Oh, that's nice. On a couple of y'all, man. Oh, yeah, I've been jealous. Oh, yeah, like, what you doing? I know God is jealous when it comes to his worship. When we give our worship to somebody else or some other thing, God gets, God gets jealous. God's, God, God's got, got his eyes on you. Like, what are you doing? God is protective over his worship. Are y'all hearing this? God covers his worship. His worship is for him and him alone. And anytime we go whoring after other God, God gets jealous. Did you ever think you can make God jealous? Amen. He gets jealous. He says, what are you doing? You belong to me. Don't give that to him. Don't give her. Don't give it to that drug. Amen. Don't give it to that lust. Don't give it to the TV. Don't give it to that video game. I'm trying to hit everybody. Let me see. Just kidding. Some of y'all. Don't give my worship. You know, here's the thing, though. If that thing is controlling you, dominating you, then you better you got some problems. Some of you already, the Holy Spirit has spoken to you. You got some idols that you're going to have to do some work today. So God gets jealous. His name is jealous. And so when we don't give God his worship, he is troubled. You remember the story? <laughs> you remember the story of the rich young ruler? Look, look at this. Look at the, uh, Matthew 19, verse 16 to 22. You got that one? Matthew chapter, what did I say? I want you all to see this. This is good. Matthew chapter 19. You got it? You don't have it? Okay. I was trying to rely on the screen, but, you know, they all. Matthew chapter 19. Run there. Run, 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 run. Run. I'm still looking. I'm hoping. All right. Okay, there we go. Now, behold, one came to him and said to him, now watch this. Watch this. Some of y'all got to get this. Now, behold, one came and said to him, good teacher, what good thing shall I do that I may have eternal life? All right, watch this. So he said to him, this is Jesus, 
Why do you call me good? No one is good but one, that is God. But if you want to enter into life, keep the commandments. Watch this. Keep going. He said to him, which ones? See? He wants to justify himself. Which ones? Jesus said, you should not murder. Ching! Got that. You should not commit adultery. Ching! I ain't doing that. You should not steal. Ching! I'm not a thief. You should not bear false witness. Ching! Got that one. What's the next one? Honor your father and your mother. Ching! Got that one. You should love the Lord your neighbor as yourself. Ching! Got that one. Now, it appears like this brother got it all together, don't he? I mean, would you say that he's he doing pretty good? I mean, he's, he's doing pretty good. Then the young man said to him, all these things I kept from my youth up. Can you see the smile on his face? <laughs> I kept all these stuff, man. I'm good with God. I got it together. I'm wonderful. But look what he says. He said, but what do I still lack? Watch what Jesus says. You got the rest? Jesus said to him, if you want to be perfect, though. Now, now how many know that Jesus... <laughs> Jesus kind of real, I don't know how else to put it, but Jesus kind of set him up a little bit. Because how many know he knows where we are? Amen. And he'll let us keep talking, he'll let us keep talking, and then he'll just throw a parable or two in there, he'll bring us to where we need to be. He said, if you want to be perfect, go and sell what you have and give to the poor. And you will have treasure in heaven. Watch this. And come and follow me. But, everybody say but. But when the young man heard that saying, wait a minute, when the young man heard that saying, he said, absolutely, I'm going to do it. I'm going to give it. Here, you might want money. No problem. What do you want? I'll say anything. I, I'm, is that what he did? What did he do? Scripture said, that brother said, oh, can't do that. Which commandment did he violate? Which commandment did he violate? Who was his God? His possessions, his money. And God said, give it. He said, no, I can't do that. How many know whatever God say, do this or give this or do that? And you say, I can't. That thing has control over you. That was his idol. Everything else he had did, but the most important commandment at all, have no other gods before me, his God was money. And he didn't catch it. And he didn't understand it. And so he walked away sorrowful. He walked away sorrowful. In other words, he said that, God, I can't do that. How many of you have ever said to God, I can't do that? God, I, I can't do that. And I, I mean defiantly. You ever had your kid tell you they're not going to do something? Every time my kid ever said that, we got compliance, but we got compliance. But you understand something, that when God speaks and tells us to do something and we don't do it, the how you know that to whoever you yield yourself servants to obey, to whom that's your master. So if God says do this and you say, when you know full well, you know full well what you're supposed to do, but you made a decision. I'm not going to do it. Who's controlling you? Watch. 
We said at the beginning of his sermon, we talked about idols and other gods. We understand that God is jealous. He don't want us to worship anything or anybody. He wants full access to every aspect of our lives. We, we established already that an idol or another God is anything that it pulls away or pulls us away from our complete devotion and our imagination from God. Anything that pulls us away from that becomes an idol. You may not necessarily bow down physically and worship it, but it's an idol. And how do we know that whenever we decide that we're not going to bow down and worship. Bow down worship means, here's what it means, when we come to worship, this is why it's so important that you tie in worship with how you live your life. Because if your worship is not tied into how you live your life, your worship is not that great. I want you to, I got some questions. You can write these down if you like. Now this is not to call anybody out, first of all. This is for you to consider. I said at the beginning of the service, I want you to be completely and totally honest. If there's something in your life that's hindering you from being as devoted to God, how many of you feel like you're loving God exactly the way you need to right now? How many of you feel that way? But the next question is, if you don't, why not? What is it that's in the way? He says, if we draw near to him, he'll draw near to what? us. What do you tend to daydream about? Some things, some questions. What does your mind drift toward thinking about? What do you find yourselves worrying about? Let me know that what you worry about, you can actually worship worry. If you look at your checkbook, what do you spend the most of your resources on? How do you spend most of your time? What would your calendar reveal, your calendar reveal? On what websites do you spend most of your time? What do you find yourself talking about the most? What would people say you're all about? What characterizes you in the mind of others? What is it that you get most excited about? What leaves you the most depressed or angry? To what do you turn when things get really, really difficult? Where do you go for comfort when you want to feel better? Do you go to drugs? Do you go to alcohol? Do you go to sex, immorality? Do you go to things that are detrimental? What do you go to when you want to be comforted? What thing, if you could have it, would make you feel complete? What do you feel like you need? What thing, if lost, would leave you devastated? And what do you most fear? Some questions I came up with. Because I want you, somewhere in all of that, you may discover that there are some areas that you need to deal with that has maybe gotten in the way of your worship and your full devotion to God. And as I said at the beginning of the message, 
and ain't but one thing to do. First of all, as we said, if the guy rings the doorbell, what do we say do? How many know that when we, we reject God, how does, anybody, anybody ever had somebody ring your doorbell and you just ignore it, you know who it is, but you don't want to answer? <laughs> how many know when God rings the doorbell, you ought to open that door every single time? If God had rung your bell this morning, here's what God is saying. He's saying, give me what's mine. Destroy the idols. If it's keeping you from getting close to Jesus, get rid of it. If it's causing you not, let, let, me, let me say this, and I'm closing. There's, there are certain things that I do, that we can do, that can help guard so that we won't fall into idol worship. And this is just for me. This is me. This is no knock on anybody else. None of this is meant to be legalistic. None of this is meant to be judgmental. It's just something for you to think about. And if it applies to you, then apply it. If not, then okay. But I had a friend of mine, a dear friend, and I think most people who are on the planet knows who my favorite football team is. How many know? America team, right? It's the Dallas Cowboys. Best team on the planet, hands down. Even if they ain't winning right now, they're still the best team in my eyes. I had a dear friend of mine. He would always, like yearly, and every now and then he'll call me today. Man, I got a football game. You want to go? And guess when the football game was always? What time? Shoo, man. For me, this is what Gary do. This is what Pastor Gary do. My worship and my affections toward God must be protected. There are things that I do so I can make sure that I never compromise. I don't miss church unless I'm half dead. How many Sundays have I missed because I've been sick? Do y'all think I ever get sick? I don't miss Sundays. I got to be like, you got to, I mean, I got to be like near death. You know why? It ain't because I'm scared God's going to get me. It's because that's my way of making sure that I keep them first. I don't, I don't let any extracurricular activity, if people come to my house, they know. Come to my house on Sunday morning, you either come to church or you're going to be here when we get back. What do I do? I put them first because it's a slippery slope. Now, you may be, it's not a legalistic thing. It's not saying, a sin saying, I mean, no, I'm not saying it's a sin if you go do something on Sunday morning during the worship time. But as for me, I just decided certain things I want to do. Giving, tithing, sowing into God. What did it remind me to do? Keep God first. Because here's what happened. You start slipping in these areas. You know what happened? Eventually, it'll be just about anything. And all of a sudden, you find that this thing has become a little bit more important than God. Now, let me remind you that he is the one who made all things. And do you think that he who desires our worship want us doing anything else on Sunday mornings than coming together and collectively worshiping him? It's not a legalistic thing. Pastor's not judging you, but this is what I do. I make it a practice. 
Because here's the point. Idols sneak up on you. And you can find yourself on the outside looking in. How many of you know you started, you miss the time here, you miss the time there before you know it? It's like, I didn't, man, I ain't been to church in two years. What happened? I, I just kind of, I stopped. And you know, that's what happened to a lot of people. That's why these, some of these chairs are empty right now. People, they come and go. They decide one week, I'm coming. Next week, I ain't coming. Why? Because I got to sneeze. Some people get a sneeze. Achoo! Ain't going to church today. Let this be, watch this. I'm not picking on anybody. I'm just saying this is something between you and God. It's about what you and I can do to solidify that he's first in our lives. Amen. And that we guard it. We guard it. We guard it. Every head is bowed, every eye is closed. If anybody here this morning, you don't know Jesus as Savior, I want to give you an opportunity this morning to give your life to Jesus. Maybe you say, Pastor, I have been serving other gods. I've been serving other gods, and these other gods have taken control of my life. And right now, I, I just need to give my life over to you right now. If that's you this morning and you don't know Jesus, we never, ever like to close our service without giving you an opportunity to surrender to him. Is there one who say, I need to give my life to Jesus? Maybe you're listening this morning. Perhaps the Holy Spirit has spoken to you. Maybe... God has identified some things in your life. How I many know this is a safe place? And that when we come into the presence of God, that God knows where we are and God wants to change us because he knows that if we are rightly connected with him, the rest of our lives will be what it needs to be. It will be beautiful. It will sing nice and loud. He said, maybe you say this morning, I'm a Christian pastor, but you know what? There's some idols. There's been some things that have been keeping me from worshiping God. Maybe it's some kind of activity. Maybe it's some kind of event. Maybe it's too much TV. Maybe you've been controlled by your favorite television program to the extent that it's keeping you from doing what God wants you to do. Maybe, I don't know what, it, it could be anything. But you know that if that one thing was, didn't control you, you know that you would be closer to God. You know it. If that's you this morning, I want to invite you. I want to invite those who want to be honest before God to come to the altar this morning. I'm not going to ask who it is, but come to the altar this morning. The Holy Spirit is here. There are areas in your life that has been keeping you, that you allowed to control your life. I want to give you an opportunity to come to this altar this morning. And surrender that thing to Jesus. If the Holy Spirit hasn't spoken to you, stay right in your seat about it. But if God has spoken to you, I want to challenge you to get up. We're going to tear down some idols today. Thank you, Jesus.
Is there another? Just one before we pray, is there another? those of us who are standing here this morning you know what the idol is you know what it is that is keeping you from being everything God wants you to be you must know that you must know that God loves you so much and all he wants he wants your affection he wants your devotion You will find complete happiness and joy when we're rightly connected to Him. I want to applaud you for coming this morning to say, there's some things that is keeping me from being what I know I should be in Him. And I want you to visualize as you're standing here, I want you to visualize and see that idol being torn down. Just visualize it, whatever it is. Just visualize that idol being torn down. And then I want you to see how much better your relationship with God will improve. Father, I thank you for those who are on this this altar this morning. They're here this morning, God, because they want to be closer to you. And God, you spoke to them about something. God, I pray that you would empower them to tear down every idol and everything that is keeping them from growing in their relationship with you. God, they understand that you're to be first place. They know, God, that you need to have the preeminence. And they know better than anybody else in this room with the area of their hearts that is in somewhat competition with you. But God, right now, this morning, God, they're saying that a change is taking place. They're destroying every yoke, every idol, everything set up that has been a hindrance to their growth. Father, I pray that you would help them. Father, I pray that when they tear down these idols and they are torn down, they're tearing them down as I speak, that you would be a wind of refreshing that you would come rushing in like a mighty river, a mighty stream of love, a mighty stream of grace. Fulfillment, joy, and complete happiness will continue to invade their lives. God bless them. Empower them. 
and give them special grace, special grace. Because, Father, they acknowledge their weakness so that they might gain strength and power. I pray, Father, against addiction, the spirit of addiction. I pray against the spirit of bondage. I come against it right now in the name of Jesus. I come against everything, every plot, every scheme, every plan of Satan to hold these people down. It is broken right now by the blood of Jesus. Father, I thank you that you're a God that opened eyes so that people can see. Right now, Lord, there's an eye opening today that the reason why our worship hasn't always been up to par is because our life are not surrendered in every aspect. Today is a new day. Today is a change. God, I pray. I pray that you would bless my brothers, my sisters. God, I, I touch and agree by the spirit of grace that you would do in them what they can't do for themselves. And God, give them a testimony. And I pray, God, that when they sing, when they worship you, when they honor you, that it will be, I pray for more intimacy. I pray for an increased intimacy, Lord, an increased intimacy with you that will be contagious, that it will spill over, that anybody coming into contact with these folks will feel your love and they cannot deny it. A love that is unrelenting, a love that is deep, a love that is most precious. Daddy, Daddy, please, Cover them with amazing love and grace. And God, let their hearts melt in your presence. And let them think of you, Father, more and more every day. Let them see your beauty and your glory. God, I pray. The idols are destroyed. They are free right now. We declare it today. I declare it over them as their pastor, that they are free in Jesus' name. We thank you, Father. And God, we worship you <laughs> with our whole life. I ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Come on, church. Give God a praise. Amen. Come on, stand to your feet. Y'all can, can stay here or you can go there. It doesn't matter. If anybody wants special prayer for anything, come see me. Um, I would love to pray with you. Um, how many feel like God has just expanded your understanding about worship? How many feel like you're going a little bit deeper? Amen. How many know it's going to change the way we do things? Amen. It's going to change what we do, how we do it. Uh, we do have our business meeting today, so I want you all to be back here in your seats at 1245. Can I have you seated at 1245? Okay, 1245 sharp. We're going to start our business meeting for all of our members. So we need all our members here, and uh, we're going to have a brief meeting. My goal is to get you to be done with that meeting by 215 at the latest. Y'all got to help me. 215. Oh, 
One for, I'm sorry, somebody get somebody check. Somebody paying attention. Hallelujah. <laughs> somebody like, oh no, no, no. I, I'm sorry. I meant 30 minutes. I, I want them to be. The, I'm gonna try to keep it 30 minutes, so it's gonna be informative, and so just a business meeting. Um, amen. So let's stretch our hands toward the Lord, so I can get you out of here. Uh, Father. We love you. We praise you. Now unto him who's able to keep us from falling and to present us faultless. God, we worship you, not just with hands raised, but our hearts engaged, that this week will be the most incredible week because we have not seen the best yet. The best is yet to come because we love you and we praise you. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, give God a praise. See here back at 1245. Glory belongs to you, oh God.